SAFM Social Conversations A warm welcome uh, to our guest Peter Becker who is uh, from the National Nuclear Regulator. He's the Civil Society representative at NNR. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Good evening, Patricia. Good to be with you. If I may, could I start by just making a correction? I'm speaking to you tonight as an activist and a spokesperson for the Kubrick Alert Alliance. I was at one stage the civil society rep on the NNR board, but I was suspended and I've been subsequently removed from that position. And the date I was suspended, coincidentally, is the 18th of January, the date that you mentioned just now. Oh, my goodness. Okay, thank you very much for the update, Peter. Now, in terms of um, starting our conversation, can you tell us why you were suspended? (laughs) That is a very long story. In a nutshell. Um, And (laughs) uh, basically, it was alleged that I have a conflict of interest because I've been known for a long time to talk about uh, nuclear power and how I believe it's not a desirable option for South Africa. I think there are better options, cheaper options, and options that take less time to build, such as renewable energy. Uh, That was seen as a conflict of interest by the minister, Minister Mantashe, who first suspended me and then removed me uh, from that position in 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 February. So it, it's a bit confusing because I've been doing what, I've, what I'm doing for about 12 years. So it was well known what my position was. And it seemed at first a very good sign that the minister was welcoming, welcoming a diversity of opinions onto the regulator board. And after all, the regulator's job is not to decide on the desirability of nuclear power. It's merely to decide on the safety of installations and applications. So it was quite confusing that I was removed for being what I had always been before that. And there are some other allegations as well. Um, Basically, there are hundreds of pages of correspondence that have gone backwards and forwards uh, about this. And I'm taking the minister and the NNR to court about it because I believe that um, my removal was unlawful. Sure. Um, And yes, this is not what we are here to discuss this evening, but I think it sets a context um, because you've got the background knowledge of uh, Kuberg. And uh, on top of that, uh, you you are one who advocates for renewable energy. And that's what I think a lot of South Africans are are aiming at getting. I'm wishing you all the best of luck in terms of your case. Um, Let's hope that you get the justice that you deserve. And um, in the same breath, I'm hoping and wishing that we can have power in South Africa that is stable because it's impacting on the economy. It's impacting on on day-to-day living, on business. And, I mean, having power cuts for two to four hours in a day, twice a day, is really, you know, unthinkable in South Africa. So what exactly is happening, Peter, at Kuburg? Okay, and coincidentally, I had load shedding hit just before your call, Mm -hmm. so I'm sitting here in the dark with my emergency light, so I've got a good context to talk to you in that regard. Um, So what happened is that the ESCOM has decided that the Kuburg plant should be refurbished, and at the moment, it comes to the end of its life in July 2024, so in about two years from now. And that is when it was designed. It was designed to last for 40 years. And so the intention was it would be shut down permanently in 2024. ESCOM seemed to have decided that they want to extend the life by a further 20 years. 
And in order to do that, a lot of work and a lot of expense is needed to be done. And the main part of that work is the replacement of six steam generators. So there are two units at Kuburg, and each of them have three steam generators, and it was decided that it was necessary to replace those. So there was a lot of delays, and it was back in 2010, in fact, that ETCON decided to first do this work. And then in 2014, I believe, the contracts were signed, and it was always urgent. And you can go back in history and see statements from uh, ETCON saying it has to be done by 2018, the latest. But for one and another reason, there were there was delay after delay. And that continued right up until January 2022, when the intention was to take it offline on the 3rd of January. And that didn't happen for, for reasons that weren't well explained. And on the 18th of January, ESCOM received approval from the National Nuclear Regulator to go ahead. And that is the day that I was removed from being allowed to access board information and to be part of decisions of the NNR. So I was not part of that uh, process to grant that permission. Mm. Then what happened is the work began, and the main body of the work was to be done by Framatome, which is a French company, which is the company that actually installed Kuberg in the first place. But unfortunately, the French arrived, and they said for safety reasons, they cannot go ahead. And the, one of the reasons for that was that when you take out the old steam generators, they're radioactive and they need to go into a building which was going to be constructed for them to keep that isolated and, and safe. But that building hasn't been completed or hasn't been built, um, which is unfortunate and also very surprising as to why between ESCOM and the National Nuclear Regulator, they both decided, yeah, we can go ahead with this work, but when the French arrived, they said no, and they refused to start the work. And they, they left, and they went back to um, France. And according to a statement from NUM, they left an invoice with ESCOM for one billion rand for wasting their time. So all of this seems to be very reactory as opposed to being proactive because from the understanding that I've got from as early as about 2015, ESCOM was supposed to be, you know, planning and implementing, extending the Kuberg power station's lifespan so that at least we don't have the burden that we are currently facing with power outages. But this hasn't been happening. And now one billion rands just for wasting time is proof yeah. that planning has not been there. So what should be done and who should be held accountable? Because it is a state-owned entity after all, and (laughs) someone needs to be accountable. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. So I'll answer that in a moment. But to put it into context, Mm -hmm. if you look at national generation capacity, Kuberg is responsible for about 3.5% of that capacity. So it's not really a major part of the production of our electricity. And in a healthy system, we would have 15% of what's called the reserve margin. In other words, we'll have 15% more energy available than we need. So if there is an unexpected breakdown or whatever, there's not load shedding. So Kuberg represents less than a healthy reserve margin, about a fifth of a healthy reserve margin. So it's not really a big part of, of, our, um, of our electricity generation. Of course, at the moment, we need every single megawatt we can get. Mm-hmm. So the fact that a Kuberg one unit has been offline since January the 18th, um, and it's still offline, by the way, 
And just to explain about that, it was planned to be offline for six months. So it should have come online on June the 18th. But remember, they didn't even do the steam generator replacement. So there was no need for it to be offline for longer than six weeks, which is how long it takes to refuel. So we've had many months now with the Kuber Unit 2 offline at a time when we desperately need every megawatt of power. And that's been contributing to load shedding. It's equivalent to about one stage of load shedding. So if they had brought it back online as it should have been sometime in February, then we would be, every time we have a stage one, we would have had no load shedding. Every time stage two, we would have had stage one and so on. So in terms of what um, needs to actually be done is the problem has been inaction on the part of government. And many people blame ESCOM for this. And that's not 100% true. And we all know that ESCOM, you know, has certainly responsibility for some things. The latest is one I've just mentioned, that there was a one billion rand wastage because they couldn't work out that they hadn't finished the building that needed to be finished. So certainly I'm not saying ESCOM is blameless, but when it comes to planning, that is not ESCOM's responsibility. And many people don't realize that. So it is the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy and more specifically, the Minister for Energy, which is uh, Minister Mantashe, is responsible for planning electricity generation in the country. And it is that minister who has to issue an instruction for more capacity to be built before it's allowed to be built. So it's not particularly fair that everyone blames ESCOM alone for this. This is a problem of central government not doing planning and not waking up soon enough that a crisis is looming when all the experts have been warning for years that there's going to be a crisis in electricity. So it's a more of politicking than just a, a lack of implementation on ESCOM's side. I think everyone should be taking their portion of the blame. But what can be done then uh, from civil society's point of view? I mean, you are from the Kruberg Alliance. Um, there's also Alta and all the other um, organizations. What can be done uh, so that at least a change can come? Yeah. So we've actually been talking about that amongst ourselves, civil society groupings. And I I can't give you the full story now, but we've agreed to make a big announcement tomorrow at uh, 10 o'clock. We're going to be doing that Um, a a unified announcement with a very specific demand for very specific action from government. And we're going to give a, a quite a short time limit where we're demanding some form of action from from government. And it means that mainly that regulatory hurdles need to be removed because it's this delayed process that there has to be this um, decision by central government and then many steps have to follow after that. So we're going to be asking that very, very immediately uh, Minister Mantasha takes some specific action. All right, let's hope that that action is going to bring a reaction that will bring us light because we need the light. Thank you so very much for joining us, Peter. Thank you, Patricia.